Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today and the Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, September 15th, and you guys know what that means. Thursday edition of the show, week two of the NFL. We are talking about week two value options on the DFS slate. Now, before we get there, I do want to do a quick gambling preview, some news and notes about what's changed in the gambling market because it's so heavily impacts and is indicative of how we are going to play the DFS space. So since it is Thursday, let's kick this show off and talk about the game tonight. On Tuesday's podcast, I came and told you guys, you'd be pretty crazy to bet against the Chiefs right now. I'm here to tell you today I'm pretty crazy. I'm on the Chargers plus 4.5 and the Chargers money line for a small amount. Now I split my one unit up to be 0.7 units on the spread, Chargers plus 4.5, and 0.3 units on the money line at plus 176. I really think there's value here, and I think the line has become too inflated. Now that you get it at plus 4.5, if you listen to my key NFL numbers discussion, 3 and 4 are both key numbers for point spreads, so you're getting the hook on a 4.5, That is really good value, and the plus 176 is juicy. I even mentioned on Tuesday's episode that you'd be crazy to bet against the Chiefs, but I did like the Chargers. This is one of their quote-unquote Super Bowls this season. If the Chargers want to be a real team, they need to come out and go get the big dog in their division, and that starts tonight against the Chiefs. So if we are going to take the Chargers seriously, this is a statement game for them. They have always played the Chiefs well. I have a lot of faith in this defense. I think they are going to be able to get a level of pressure that the Arizona Cardinals didn't. And I think we need to remember that the Cardinals were a big sell team this offseason. And they came out and looked terrible in week one. Meanwhile, the Raiders is an in-division game for the Chargers, which is in-division games are always closer, are always harder fought. So while the both teams are 1-0, these wins are not created equally, and the Chiefs dominating the Chargers is not equivalent to the Chargers just getting over the hump against the Raiders. The Chargers are a really, really good team, and I think we will get to see that tonight against the Chiefs. So I, again, I am on the Chargers plus 4.5, and the Chargers plus 176 on the money line. My best bet on the board is Patriots minus 1.5. I have maximum exposure on this game, which for me means 3.3 units to win three. Now, the reason to do this is because of my favorite betting trend, which is reverse line movement. This is the first time we're seeing this in the NFL board this season. The first time I've been able to identify it and I'm jumping all over it. This line opened at Patriots minus one, Steelers plus one. We are coming off a week where the Patriots looked atrocious, and the Steelers pulled off a win against the Bengals and forced five turnovers against Joe Burrow. Now, Steelers are also home. You would think Wow, we should continue to back the Steelers. Clearly, they're better than we thought, and the Patriots are worse than we thought. Well, let's not overreact to week one. 
Also, TJ Watt is hurt. Najee Harris is banged up. He's likely going to play. We know Mac Jones had the back injury, but they're only spasms, and he is going to play. So, we know the injury report, but the key is the reverse line movement. So, again, this line opened at Patriots minus one, Steelers plus one. There's a lot of reasons why people would initially bet the Steelers, as I just explained, and the money came in flying on Pittsburgh. There was 80% of the bet tickets and 80% of the money bet on this game on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then what happened to the line? It moved to minus 1.5 for the Patriots. The books were asking for more money on the Steelers. We know when books price a line, they often want 50-50 of the money on both sides so that they can just take the house cut. And no matter what happens, the book wins. There are a few cases where the book will take a position. And that's a really important thing to pay attention to. So the book taking a position on the Patriots this week and asking for money from the public on the Steelers gets a better like me to say, I would like to side with the book and put my money on the Patriots. So again, my best bet on the board is Patriots minus 1.5. I think that is all the way up to a minus 2.5 in a lot of places now. It is outstanding to me the way this line is moving. It is a clear indicator that the Patriots is the right bet. Now that I'm telling you which line to slam, let me transition to tell you which line to stay away from. It's the total in the Miami versus Baltimore game. This offseason, gamblers and sharps were tagging Miami and Baltimore to both have rather explosive offenses. Then we get to week one, and both of these offenses really faltered. The advanced statistics on both of them were like borderline pathetic. They both ended up winning. They're both coming in 1-0 because they both played against pretty poor competition. When this line opened, it was at 46.5, which sat perfectly in no man's land between two key numbers of 44 and 48. It has since been bet down to 43.5, and so there's clear plays towards the under. However, because it has crossed that key number of 44, there is no value on taking the under 43.5 because you're not getting the right side of the hook. However, There's also no point to taking the over because these offenses, which we thought we were going to back, ended up being really bad in week one. So we don't know if this is an overreaction to week one or a misinterpretation of an offseason take. And because we are stuck in that no man's land of not knowing which direction to have a firm opinion, the right thing to do is stay away from the line. We actually can play into this in the DFS sense. Because this line has moved down so much, we can look to Miami defense to be a value defense for us. I actually think they're going to be in my core. The optimizers are definitely giving out Miami. Uh, The game spread and the point spread went from a plus 4 to a plus 3.5. So money came in on the Miami on the point spread and sharped towards the under. So I would look towards avoiding Baltimore players 
and playing Miami defense. Next thing I want to talk about in the gambling space is the biggest line movement on the board. It is the total between the Vikings and the Eagles. This opened at 49.5, which is no man's land between 48 and 51. Now, when a line opens in no man's land, what the book is saying is we want the sharps to help us price this line, and we kind of aren't sure if we should put this around 48.5 or around 51.5. So if we put this at 49.5, we can see where the first action comes in and then quickly adjust the line. And that's exactly what they did. Action came in on the over and it quickly moved up and is all the way up to a 52.5. So three full points of movement in the Vikings-Eagles game. Now, I believe that is the Sunday night game which means it is not part of our DFS slate. If you are playing a Thursday through Monday DFS card, stock up on that game. I'm talking Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sant, like whoever, Kirk Cousins and Jefferson and Goddard, like whoever you want. Stack up on the Vikings versus Eagles game. It is not worth betting because you'd have to bet over 52 and a half, which is north of the 51 and the 52, two major key numbers. So it's, again, we got we didn't get in on the value of it, but we can play it into a DFS sense if you are playing one of these longer full week two slates. I only make podcasts for the Sunday slate because of the way I distribute my episodes and the way I watch football. It's just better for me to just do Gambling on Thursdays and Mondays, and DFS on Sunday. But if you are playing a DFS slate that is a full week two, the Thursday through Monday version, and it includes the Sunday night game, again, highly suggest playing heavily into this game, even the value options. Devonta Smith put up a goose egg last week. I wouldn't expect that this week. Next thing to talk about is the best teaser for this week. Now, people love their teasers. I did a whole episode about the seven rules for teasers, and I will give out my best teaser for this week after being 0 for 2 on teasers last week. Can't win them all. Here's the one that's going to hopefully win this week. It is taking the Panthers from a plus 2.5 up to a plus 8.5 and taking the total pushing it up, and taking the under. Now, let me explain how this works. When you have a plus 2.5 line and you push it with a six-point teaser, that is the smallest amount of teaser, so you're paying the least juice to do it. And at the same time, you get to cross through the three and through the seven, the two most important numbers in betting football. And you also get to cross through the six and the four, which are the third and fourth most important numbers in betting football, respectively. Six would be the third most, four would be the fourth most. So by going from plus 2.5 to plus 8.5, you are actually crossing through the four most important numbers, so there is real value in taking that leg of a point spread for the teaser component. Now, if you're also taking a plus 8.5, there's also value in taking the under 
because there's correlated values between large point spreads and unders. I've talked about this numerous times on the show. If there's less scoring in the game, it becomes harder for one team to win by nine points for the Giants to cover this. So if you're taking the 8.5, which we've already committed to, because that's the best teaser leg on the board. So we're committing to taking the Panthers plus 8.5. We should also commit to taking the under because if that plus 8.5 is to hit, there is a high correlated likelihood that the under also hits. So push the total up, whatever it's at. I'm not going to give out the number that I have it at because I don't think the number matters that much in this case because we are locking into the 8.5, push the total up, and take the under. Now, giving out a bunch of good gambling advice because clearly I know my shit. However, you can't win them all, so I want to uh, tell you guys what I was wrong about for this week. On Tuesday's episode, I gave out the Seahawks plus 8.5. I actually took this bet before the Monday night game because I've been talking for weeks on end that the Seahawks are the most undervalued team. I won't go through the whole spiel again. As long as this isn't your first time listening, you've probably heard me talk about how much I like the Seahawks in the gambling market this year. Well, this line opened at plus 8.5, and I thought, let me jump on it right away. You got the hook on the 8, which is semi a key number. You got the fact that they played the Broncos really well. The fact that the 49ers stunk on ice in week one. And I thought there's a better chance that this line moves to eight versus moves to nine. So let me jump in on the 8.5 now. Again, especially because you had the hook on the semi-important eight. What I failed to see and what I was wrong about, because this line has moved to plus 9.5, and I wish I could take it at 9.5 instead of keeping my 8.5 ticket, is that this was a clear teaser leg on the other side. So a lot of money came in teasing the 49ers from 8.5 down to 2.5, the same way that I really liked the Panthers 2.5 up to 8.5. You could do it the reverse. So gamblers were taking the 49ers in teaser legs as it was a clear value opportunity to tease down through four key numbers and to push the spread on the game to 9.5 from 8.5, you are cutting off the ability for teasers, teaserers, people who do teasers, whatever you want to call those people. You are taking their ability away to get through the three. So now if they do a six-point teaser, they get to three and a half instead of two and a half, which is a huge difference. And that difference is so significant that it exceeds the difference in the 8.5 to the 9.5. So the book jumped up, said, okay, too many people are teasing this down. Let's push this up to a 9.5. There's also the chance that because of how invested the Seahawks were in that revenge game versus Russ, and because they're now on a short week, that this will be a real letdown spot for the Seahawks. Now, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe the Seahawks to be a much more competitive team than people realize. And that's what was displayed on Monday night. So I'm actually okay keeping my 8.5 ticket. 
but there is value even more so to jump in now on the plus 9.5. So that is the gambling discussion. Went longer than I assumed, but now let's transition and talk some DFS. We're talking middle price players. Today is Thursday, September 15th. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. This is the DFS Today podcast and The Advantage. And let's kick off this DFS conversation with the quarterback spot on our roster. On Tuesday, I gave out Kyler Murray as the clear play for the DraftKings lineups this week. Now, I want to slightly amend that take and tell you guys that Kyler is still the best spend-up option in my opinion. But I would like to add Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr to the options of players that we can put in our core. If you do not like those options and you even want to spend less on a quarterback, I would look towards Trey Lance. That's where the DFS optimizers are going for a budget quarterback. So if you want to play into the chalk, you would play Lance at 5,700. But then you can also look towards a guy like Jameis Winston at 5,500. I don't love that play this week because he is going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Although Jameis puts up so many stats, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get intense pressure on the quarterback. The only other options for a cheap quarterback that I could consider playing would be a guy like Daniel Jones because he does have some running capability. So he's probably the cheapest price starter tied with Joe Flacco at 5100 that I would consider starting in a DFS slate. For me, again, it is either going to be Stafford, which is the most likely option, or Kyler or Derek Carr. I am heavily leaning towards Stafford at this moment. For the running backs, on Tuesday, we reviewed the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine running backs on the board. And I'll tell you guys, Leonard Fournette is a name that continues to appear for me. And I said Saquon Barkley was a probably a void for this week. Let me change that for you guys. Saquon's actually core. I've changed my mind to realize that Saquon's price has not increased enough to where he should be. He's still tied with Kamara and Joe Mixon, 74, 73, 72. So he's right in the middle of those guys when he might really deserve to be priced up around Jonathan Taylor and McCaffrey. So I'm actually going to ride Saquon back into my core this week. I think Leonard Fournette has a good chance of joining him in the core. But if we were going to look at some of the options that we did not talk about last week, it would start with a guy like Antonio Gibson, 6,200 against Detroit Lions. He handled 21 touches last week, including seven receptions. A guy like Antonio Gibson in a DraftKings PPR sense is definitely an option. Daryl Henderson, 5,700. If he is the starting running back for the Rams, he's got to be an option. Travis Etienne Jr. and James Robinson are both priced at 5,600. There is going to come a time, and I think it is going to be very soon, where Etienne clearly takes over the job. And considering Etienne's prowess in the past game, I think he is a good candidate as well. Jeff Wilson Jr., He's starting for the 49ers this week. 5,100, one of the best run offense in the NFL, going against the Seahawks, who ranked 25th in fantasy points allowed against running backs. So not a good team in defending the run game. 
Jeff Wilson Jr. in the Kyle Shanahan system has got to be an option for this week. Keep scrolling down. I'm seeing Rex Burkhead, 4,900. Considering the volume that Burkhead got last week over a guy like Damian Pierce. I said this on the pod last week. I prefer Rex Burkhead over Damian Pierce. I don't think Damian Pierce is going to get high leverage carries. I think he's going to get carries between the 20s. And Burkhead is the third down PPR and red zone type back for that team, which carries more fantasy weight. Um, Kenyon Drake from the Baltimore Ravens. I don't love it, but he's clearly taken the role over from Mike Davis. Uh, Again, I said that Baltimore-Miami game is a game sharp towards the under and towards Miami. So I am avoiding players from the Baltimore side, unless you were going to go with some sort of value proposition and Drake might be in that realm of players. So I think that handles the running back situation. I'm now scrolling along the minimum price running backs and seeing no great options. Let's slide this over to wide receiver. On Tuesday's episode, we talked about the top five. Cup, Adams, Chase, Debo, and Tyreek. Cup. Core with Stafford. As long as Stafford becomes the core player for my quarterback, that means Cooper Cup is my wide receiver one. If I play Derek Carr, that means I'm playing Devontae Adams. Simple like that, guys. You really, really want to have a stack going in to your quarterback and wide receiver situation. Okay, let's review some of the players priced below 7K. Starts with CD Lamb. Absolutely not, considering Dak is out. Mike Evans. Mike Evans is already questionable. I feel like Mike Evans is always questionable. Um, I always like Mike Evans. I really like Brady, Mike Evans' stack. But again, against the Saints and how well the Saints have played against Brady and their ability to bring pressure, I probably avoid that. Amon Ross St. Brown, 6,500. This guy is legitimately amazing. He consistently puts up big points. So it would be hard for me to say to avoid a guy like Amon Ra St. Brown. Continuing to scroll down, Jerry Judy, core. Jerry Judy, core this week. We saw how he looked on the Monday night game. His price tag is still significantly below Cortland Sutton. He actually might be the number one on this team. He had a few important plays where Russ actually didn't go to him. And then you could see Jerry Judy think like, ah, I should have got the ball on that one. Look for some of those to be corrected this week. Look for Judy to get nine or 10 targets, to get seven or eight catches, to get, you know, 90 yards plus touchdown potential. Really, really like Jerry Judy. He is going to be a bit of a chalk play because the optimizers are going to give his name out. Um, T. Higgins. If T. Higgins is questionable and T. Higgins ends up playing, he is underpriced at 5,900. Absolutely underpriced. Allen Robinson. The Falcons rank dead last against the pass. And we heard all offseason that Allen Robinson was going to be a guy for this Rams team. Now, if you are playing Cup, if you are playing Stafford, If you are playing Daryl Henderson, did I mention Daryl Henderson in the running backs? Daryl Henderson is definitely an option for running backs this week in terms of value plays. I'm not sure if, I think I did mention him. 
Anyways, if you're playing that many Rams, you might want to be cautious with Allen Robinson. But again, if you are playing Stafford, you want to bet on the bounce back of a guy like A-Rob this week. They're playing against the Falcons. The Falcons ranked dead last. We heard all offseason that he was going to be a guy. This line is now dropped in its price, and you can get value on backing A-Rob in week two. Tyler Boyd. If Higgins is out, Boyd is an option. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is someone I really liked all offseason. I felt like his name was nowhere to be found in all the important discussions. And then he goes and catches a bomb from Baker. I think that's certainly a possibility again. And at the dart throw $5,300, if it, if it clicks, I mean, he scored 24 points last week in fantasy. So if he gets another bomb, if he gets an, another game of decent volume, they're going against the Giants. I'm on the Panthers in that game. I think Robbie Anderson is a decent option. Scrolling down, scrolling down. Curtis Samuel. The amount of volume that Curtis Samuel got in week one cannot be overlooked. Four carries as a rusher and 11 targets. Let's not sleep on that. He's an option. All right, as I continue to scroll deeper into the value options, I'm now below Curtis Samuel at the 4,600, and I'm seeing options like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who got a high volume of target share last week, Duvernay, who hit on Lamar's deep shot, Zay Jones, who had eight targets from Trevor Lawrence last week, Jahan Dotson, who had two touchdowns, Oh, last one that's worth mentioning. All the way down here. I think I'm actually going to play him. Ben Skoranek. If you want to go the other direction and you're in the line, you're in the mindset of Allen Robinson actually sucks, throw Ben Skoranek in your lineups. He's 3,300. He's definitely the cheapest wide receiver that we could consider playing this week. And he got a lot of looks from Matt Stafford. And he's going to be involved in this offense. And the Rams should dominate this game. So Skoranek is a guy priced at 3300 that if he scores eight or nine points, he did his job this week. Let's slide over to the tight end. We left off our discussion with Hawkinson last week. I think Hawkinson has a real chance to end up being in my core. I continue to really like Hawkinson out of the options that we discussed on Tuesday's show. Andrews, Kittle, Waller, Pitts, Schultz, Hawkinson. Hawkinson is the best bang for his buck. I'm also on the Lions on that game. The other place I would look is towards Alberto, the Denver guy. He got a lot of looks from Russ. He played a significantly higher percentage of the snap count than we were expecting. So if it is not going to be Hawkinson, I recommend going Alberto at 3,700. Logan Thomas. At 3,400, certainly got a lot of looks. He's always banged up, but he's really good when he plays. And that would be the only options that I would consider for this week. Again, if you want to stack a ton of Rams and you want to go with Tyler Higby, be my guest. I think that's certainly a decent play as well. I prefer a guy like Hawkinson or Albert O because I will be going with a lot of Rams in other places. Let's talk about defense as we wrap this up. 
I told you guys that the Miami Dolphins were likely going to be my core defense. That remains true, but I'd like to also add in the Bengals. The Bengals are playing against Dak Prescott. Actually, correction. The Bengals are playing against the Dak Prescott-less Dallas Cowboys. They're playing against Cooper Rush. They're they're 0-1. They need a win. They have playmakers on defense. I really like the Bengals. I really like the Dolphins. I think this is a week where we do not spend up on defense, and we end up going with one of those two options. All right. Check back Saturday for the Core 4 episode and our Saturday discussion. Be reviewing our final bet slip and giving our Core 4 for our DFS lineup. And then check me out on Sunday mornings. For me, it's the morning because I'm on Pacific Time. But if you're a 1 o'clock kickoff person, I'm live on YouTube from 12.15 to 12.45 discussing bets, weather updates, last-minute sit-starts, reviewing the DFS core, and answering your questions. You can pop in, throw a question in the chat, and very likely we will get to answer it. I am doing it with J.P. Sticko, the host of the Fantasy NFL Today podcast, also presented by Sports Ethos. We had a really, really good week one, both in the DFS space, the betting space, my season-long fantasy space, and on the YouTube show. So we will hope to keep that ball rolling into week two to come away super profitable again and with more dubs than L's. As always, I will talk to you guys Saturday and it is time that I say peace out.